Hello and welcome. I'm Alex Promos, Head of Institutional Content and Investment Magazine, and this is Market Narratives. This show is a series of unorthodox conversations with thought leaders influencing the world of fiduciary investors. For more related insights and analysis, please remember to check out our website, investmentmagazine.com.au, and subscribe for a free email. And with that, please enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Matt Keeley, who is the CEO of Grow Inc. Matt, welcome. Thanks very much for having me. Your name is uh, all over the press these days with uh, a big deal um, as a blockchain-friendly startup, but I want to go back to your history and what you got you interested in finance and why specifically the superannuation space. Yeah, uh, my history was certainly a long way from I never thought I'd be uh, have an office in Surrey Hills and working in finance or in technology. I, I grew up on a fifth-generation farm out in the middle of New South Wales and uh, always thought that I'd, I'd be a farmer or football, go and play professional football in Sydney and then go home and run the family farm. And uh, That didn't work out. And, and as I'd left school, I, I just really became quite uh, baffled as to why uh, people get out of bed five days a week, 48 weeks a year for 40 years of their life and have no under, no idea about finance. And that led me to a, uh, a career in, in financial advice and I became a certified financial planner. I, I then cut my, I'd also cut my teeth in um, enterprise technology of a company called CSC. And after, you know, uh, 10 or so years at some great firms, I, I ended up um, setting up my own advisory practice and I ran that in North Sydney and I sold that in 2018. And as I, as we were building that, I met, you know, three other great founders for, for Grow and, and we came up with the idea that we could uh, redefine the, the front-end consumer experience for uh, superannuation funds. And, and that led to the to the birth of Grow Super sort of the end of 2016. And, and we came to market in May 2017. I'm curious around this transition because I think some people do know you as Grow Super and now it's Grow Inc. What is the transformation that's happened and why specifically have, has this happened? Yeah, the best way to describe that is that we came to market with a superannuation fund, so we'll be to see. We amassed uh, sort of just shy of 15,000 customers joined that fund, about 4,000 rolled over their, their assets, uh, and it was renowned as the best consumer or member experience in the market. Our whole strategy was to white label that member experience and rent or, or, or sell that to incumbents with the ultimate mission underneath that we could impact 10, 20 plus million lives with our technology and nobody would know it was Grow. That was Grow Super. What actually occurred on that journey was that we were unable to connect our technology into the legacy uh, incumbents that exist and their their business models were not designed to be fragmented or to designed in a transparent and modular way. What that meant was that we decided then to, at the start of 2018, to pivot our entire business to build the world's first blockchain administration system for super admin. Uh, I'm very proud after, after a number of years, we're now, in my opinion, have, de- have built and developed the most modern platform in the world. And we're now two contracts into that. So we have two incumbent clients and one of those is, is the Vanguard mandate, which we're incredibly proud of. So it's been a great journey. The reason we, we moved from Grow Super to Grow Inc. Uh, along that way was that um, we're more than super. We see that our ability is that we could build the financial infrastructure for global markets and our aspirations are beyond superannuation. The first part, place we started with Super, the underlying technology we use is DLT, but this company uh, has a bigger vision than superannuation, but that's where our energy is focused in the immediate term. You mentioned um, 
that there's a lot of legacy systems um, that, are, that are out there. Um, it's interesting because we look at the largest super funds in the Australian market and they're just growing bigger, um, but it feels like those legacy systems are still there. Uh, is that sort of the reason why it made a lot of sense for you to potentially now, or you have uh, worked a, a deal with Vanguard, um, who's now seen to be the new uh, you know, kid on the block that's going to be looking at superannuation? Yeah, I, Vanguard are obviously an incredible brand and we're very privileged to, to be working with them. You know, one of the biggest fund managers in the world and after their due diligence, um, they selected selected Grow and that was a, you know, 16-month long process and, and incredibly proud that our technology and our people were the reason that we secured that mandate. What that ultimately meant for Vanguard is they have no legacy, so they have the ability to create the future of superannuation that they believe. Um, is the best interest of, of all members and consumers out there. What it does mean, but you are right, is that there are a number of large super funds operating on technology that was built before the internet. If you've ever got to work with uh, a number of the funds out there, it's just a great moment when you get to see their people and how passionate they are about the member and what that actually means that they can redefine or change people's lives in retirement. And I guess our aspiration is to enable them to do that in, in a more modern, modular way than what is currently applicable. And it's no different to when Steve Jobs released the iPhone in 2007. It fundamentally transformed the way communication was held around the world and, and what we actually have that we put in our pocket or in our hand each day. So uh, we believe that we're 20, 30 years ahead of incumbents. Uh, they should be very proud of what they've done and, and they've done a great job. But uh, technology has come a long way since the early 2000s. Can you give more colour around what you mean by this modular approach to, to dealing with customers? Is this allowing them to potentially create individual portfolios for people, which has you know, historically been seen to be very expensive and, and you know, impossible for super funds to deliver? Yeah, a really good way of looking at it is that as a super fund, they have an ecosystem of parties that they interact with on a daily basis. So an example would be a custodian, an insurer, an administrator, the trustee office, the regulator. And unfortunately, they pass information across each, each to each party and that gets stored in different repositories of data. And the challenge with that is that there is no single source of truth shared across that ledger or across that network. And what that means is that because you have multiple sources of truth, you have the inability to utilise real-time data to actually deliver personalised investment solutions that actually anticipate or solve genuine problems that a member requires. And so the best we can do from a personalisation perspective is have the ability to group somebody by their age or by their sex or by their account balance. And as you know, the world has come a long way since, you know, over the last 20, 30 years where consumers now demand more personal experiences. And what we're enabling to do is that we have the greatest, we think we have the best member experience in market. Um, that's a front-end portal that connects to our back-end infrastructure. But we actually also encourage funds to build their own experiences so they can actually differentiate or bring their different value propositions to life in a whole new way. And uh, it's all built around this, this ability to enable the fund to actually have control over their data and over their value proposition. And with legacy technology, that's just actually currently impossible. It's a it's a fascinating time because, as you said, the members are asking for more. Uh, and they're asking for more specific details around their portfolio, how they can tilt their portfolio. They've got different uh, ethical or moral alignments that they'd like to do. And so the need to change the portfolios more specifically to, to each individual person's needs or, or perspectives around how they'd like to invest is going to become more and more important for super funds to remain relevant. 
particularly at a time when we're seeing potential threats coming into the market, whether it's it's Apple now, the Apple started a wallet, you know, it doesn't take them much to create Apple portfolio that allows you to potentially really target a portfolio to particular particular thematics that really resonate with a with a person. That's right, and, and uh, it, it's um, it's a really interesting time where with data you can talk to your customers in a way that you've never been able to talk to before. Um, you can also understand their behaviours and, and what is in the, what, what they actually would like, and and that means that funds can really personalise information down to that individual level, and that's not just. At a thematic level, that's also at a taxation level, that's also at a family level, on a whole different bunch of areas. It also means the digital experience you provide them can also be personalised for each one. For example, when you log into Amazon, you will get a different view and experience to myself, just like when you log into Netflix, you will get a different experience than what I will receive based on your interests, your trends, what you've been watching and what you've been doing. And there's no reason that finance can't head that way. And you are right. At the moment, we have product manufacturers. We call them uh, super funds or fund managers. They distribute. Unfortunately, they have to actually go through a range of third-party platforms or networks to actually get to the end consumer. And in funds management, for example, there's multiple layers that lead from a fund manager, go across to a wrap provider. There's a whole bunch of waste that occurs in passing information across there. That's ultimately then cost or margin taken from each side. It then goes to the wrap provider, then goes out to the advisor, then goes out to the consumer. And we've had no ability to connect and bridge the gap between those two. And uh, you are right. I don't believe, you know, in in the not too distant future, you know, in the next five to 10 years, at the very latest, I do see a Apple wallet idea where product manufacturers are actually selling and distributing their products directly at a wallet level rather than having to go through wrap providers and whatnot. This may be a tricky question, but I'm just curious around why is it so difficult for some of the super funds to not try to rethink their their technology offering? Is it the fact that they don't have a balance sheet that they can use to develop this technology? Is this technology very expensive? Is it too difficult to, as, as you said, the, take the legacy systems and now sort of re-transform uh, them for a really better member experience? Where, where's the struggle there? Yeah, the, the interesting thing is, is that there's no lack of aspirations from any of the financial institutions we work with. The biggest challenge is that legacy, there, there are a number of funds that still have to send PDFs or are sending spreadsheets and people are copying and pasting those spreadsheets. People are doing data duplication from one registry system to the other. There's fund managers and, and super funds running multiple registry systems across multiple customer profiles. So you think you have one account, but in their network, you might actually be four different people. And so this idea of then going to the utopian vision that you and I are talking about, some people are like, but you don't actually understand how it operates in the back end today. And the reason that it's actually become such a complex web is that how it's evolved over time. Superannuation back in the 90s, you did not have to engage. You didn't have to have call centres like you have to have now. You didn't have to have digital experience. You didn't need data lakes like you require now to understand data analytics. And therefore, the technology and platforms that were built and utilised back then were never designed in the way that they need to be to cope for what super funds and consumers demand today. So there is a, an enormous project to do the data migration piece, so to, to bring it from you know, the old world to the new world. But the, the risk that you face is just like if you look back in any, any industry, it does occur where over 10, 20 years you could wake up and, and, the, and the industry has moved too far forward and you're actually Achilles heel is the technology that underpins you. The technology is not the differentiator, the technology is the enabler. 
I'm curious around the regulation. There's a lot of regulation changes that we've seen within superannuation. How much has that been a prohibitor for, for some of the companies or the, the super funds to actually invest in this sort of technology? Yeah, that's a, I think that what you raise there is cutting edge versus leading edge. Financial institutions are regulated by, you know, it's, a, it's probably the most conservative uh, industry, superannuation and whatnot in, in the world when it comes to that. So going to cutting edge technology is certainly not a space that they admire to be in. But we're we're seeing more and more interest where superannuation funds weren't designed to be technology companies, but we're seeing more hires in the technology space. We're seeing the regulators understand, you know, even the idea of the benefits of having cloud uh, computing versus you know traditional storage and traditional data centers and how they run and what that actually means. Um, really, really impressive to see the in, in, in our short time in this industry since 2016, 2017, when we started up, the, the mindset shift uh, and the awareness of what the future looks like. Uh, we're seeing a dramatic transformation there and it's been a process and we do believe the validation of you know our first couple of clients, in particular Vanguard, will help us demonstrate the significance and what this actually foundation means for the future of superannuation. One of the biggest pressures on superannuation at the moment is the reduction of fees, uh, also transparency of, of member holdings. I'm curious around sort of how much is that part of the proposition that you bring? Yeah, fees are really important. I, I believe that you're right. There's so much waste that sits in there that is ultimately then taken from the members or the consumers, which means that at retirement, they actually have less money. We've got a number of not-for-profits. So we're, we're finding relative to incumbents, we're coming in anywhere between 30 to 50% cheaper and we're doing that where we're providing value that was unthinkable in a traditional market. So price is important. Transparency is, is absolutely critical. If you ask many CFOs of financial institutions to break down the module of, modules of all of their different components of their operating model and tell you the cost structure of each of those, it's very hard under in, in incumbent service arrangement. Whereas with ours, you can actually modularize all the different components of your operating model and understand what you're paying for. What that actually means is that then you can decide what you plug and play with. For example, you actually provide an app store or an ecosystem where best of breed entrepreneurs, developers and incumbents can actually plug and play technology that is not actually capable to be, to be built into you know, incumbent service propositions. So we're seeing a world where then entrepreneurs like ourselves can actually enter markets and offer value propositions or funds can choose to own their own call centre rather than having to outsource that and they can actually know the cost of all of those different pieces. Uh, just um, specifically on the member holdings, would members, for example, if they use uh, the, the application, be able to see ultimately what they're holding? I think there's a lot of questions at the moment, particularly again around some of the ESG concerns about the companies that are held. Can, can you then provide that in a much more updated fashion? Yeah, and and so if you look at what has to happen now, we do this. We, we do it in a convoluted way in the traditional sense, where you try and build a front end experience that gives a visual representation of what's in the portfolio underneath. But you're actually not pulling data directly in real time that demonstrates that. Uh, whereas, yes, with us, you can actually start to then provide that transparency at a holding view, at a taxation view, uh, across a family view. It, it's a whole new world. What that actually means is that. You can talk and interact with your customers in a way that you've never been able to do before. The other thing that comes to my mind is we, there's so much pressure at the moment around competition and and the the fight between the your future your super world around how much uh, your performance is. And unfortunately, when you're measuring performance, it's just particularly on a, a return amount, and they don't think about risk. 
this sort of dis, uh, disclosure, this transparency really would actually help members understand their fund, what they're investing in, underlying securities, and hopefully maybe even a, a better understanding of the risk that sits in that portfolio compared to maybe something else that they see as well. Yeah, there's certainly there's that level. It's also how that data is passed out. So if you think of how that's done at the moment, it's almost like looking in a rear vision mirror about what occurred three, six or 12 months ago. You have no ability to see that in real time. And if you think of how we look at prices now, it's like every time you wanted to price something, you would have to go back or performance and look at it three months ago. And so whereas we fundamentally moved away from that, and it does mean that the way customers can determine what is the right super fund for them can dramatically change. And, and, I, and I certainly think that we're heading down a path where the efficiencies that can be gained across a super funds ecosystem will actually ultimately go back to being real to real benefits back to the person's individual account in retirement. And that can be done through better fees, better better performance. We, you mentioned a bit earlier around DLT, the distributed ledger technology. Can you give a bit more context around the application of DLT to the Grow platform? Yeah, distributed ledger, um, often many people go straight to crypto or whatnot, and we, we experienced that when we entered the market. The way we use uh, distributed ledger technology, which is a permission-based blockchain. And what that is really important is that permission-based means that you can permission who can or cannot see information across your entire ecosystem. So the way to think about a distributed ledger technology is that it is a really smart database. So rather than it be a, um, a traditional ledger was a name or number in a book, uh, for us, it becomes a shared ledger. So if the custodian updates a unit price, for example, then everybody who's connected to that ledger will receive that update in real time. But you will only receive and you will only see that information if you have permission to view that. And what that means is that we actually can now start to see that there is a single source of truth. So if a, if a member or a customer updates their details in real time, everybody across the network will see it. So then from a customer value proposition, if a customer updates their details, and we've always experienced this, and then they ring the call centre to have a discussion. A call centre doesn't, in a traditional sense, receive that information until the next day and sometimes the next week. And so they're trying to have a conversation with a customer with actually out that real-time data there. Whereas in our case, they can actually see what screen that individual is on, what information they're talking about, and there's an immutable record of who did what and when it was done. And so it's a um, what, what we're seeing is the efficiencies of a shared single source of truth across an entire network that then enables you think of the better data it's cheaper it enables new value propositions it may enable better um, digital experiences all of those things can start to become possible because you can actually share data in a whole new way can you also then give some context on the asx announcement there was seen to be a you know a strategic deal that you guys have have done together Um, is that also continuing on from this dlt uh, platform yeah as i said you know we're we, we were Grow Super and now we're Grow Inc. And, and uh, the Australian Stock Exchange, I, I really truly admire that their determination and what they're doing in their space to help take um, financial markets to a whole 20, 30 years ahead of what their platform is today. What we're actually doing with the Australian Stock Exchange is that there was, uh, you know, there was a direct investment in our business. Um, that was alongside Airtree, Citibank, a whole, a whole bunch of 5B capital, some incredible partners. But what we're looking to do is that how could you create a uh, greater transparency and removal of waste from a consumer or member all the way down to the stock exchange? So just like you were saying before, when actually looking upon it from a lens of 
what do I actually hold underneath? And my data isn't necessarily just stored at an administrator level. My data is stored across the entire network. And then also from a super fund, they can actually also start to see full transparency down to an exchange level, regardless of their administrator, about what assets they are or are not holding. This is a, it's a really exciting um, development for us. And it's about increasing transparency and removing waste from the super fund all the way down to the exchange. As investors are now starting to move more and more off, offshore, because they have to, the Australian market is still limited. Does that mean that you, you need now to, to set, you know, set up new deals, potentially globally with different other providers, other stock exchanges to try and get that data uh, in real time format, obviously much quicker now? Yeah, the best way to describe that is it fascinates me that we still live in a market where global fund managers, global providers have different registry systems and multiple registry systems, not in just one jurisdiction. So there's, there's, there's providers here all through Australia who have multiple registry systems to distribute different products. For example, to distribute superannuation, they have a registry system. To distribute funds, managed, unlisted managed funds, they have a registry system. To deliver ETFs, they have a registry system. And then if you buy each one of those, you will have three different registry systems or you'll be three different customers in their profile. You then go to a different jurisdiction and they have to do the same again. And it just doesn't make sense when they might have a global custodian, a global insurer. Whereas if you think of your mobile phone, that's how it used to be. And then we were, then we converted to having a SIM card where you took a new SIM card with you when you landed in a new jurisdiction or country to now you can just hop off and you can actually utilise your existing phone and network provider will actually convert for you. Our whole view is that if you could picture the world and you could draw a thread all the way around the world, you could actually have a financial grade infrastructure that could, that could provide transparency from a consumer all the way down to an exchange. And there would be an administration component that sits above that. We don't have any aspirations to be a B2C provider, but we do have very strong and big uh, you know, uh, uh, ambitions around being that financial grade infrastructure that empowers the world uh, and financial institutions to deliver value to customers that, that today is actually just unthinkable. So looking for the next sort of six, 12 months, what are the key priorities uh, for you and the team? Yeah, the, the next six months, uh, 12 months are really about executing on the business we're in. What that means is delivering on our two current contracts that we have and our two clients, getting them to life, uh, demonstrating the utility of the technology. Uh, it's a little bit like the iPhone when it when it was first launched. No one truly, truly envisaged having multiples of millions of different applications built on top of it. It was literally just a, it was a phone, a music player, uh, a messenger, and a camera, and and we're going to see where we've now got an architecture that can uh, can enable um, the future growth over the next ten to twenty years of financial markets. That's the first twelve months. Is then driving deep into the superannuation. We would love to impact you know ten to twenty million lives across the superannuation industry with our technology, and nobody know it's us. So that means trying to win more super funds. Then our aspirations will expand beyond superannuation. And um, we do see a clear opportunity in what we would call non-super, which is unlisted and listed managed funds. What about the wealth space? Uh, there seems to be a, a lot of uh, you know money flow moving into those areas as people are sort of looking at a secondary way to save outside of the super. Yeah, so we would call that um, in what I just said before is non-super. It's interesting at the moment where we sort of have we have you know member registry at the very top. Uh, member registry is you and I having an account on a platform. Uh, behind that is fund registry, so that's the actual funds that get managed, and below that is the exchange. It seems very bizarre that we have all those different layers that sit there and everybody is taking a fee. So if you look at it, for example, there is RAP providers taking a fee into a fund manager who is also paying for multiple different registry systems, 
who are then paying providers to communicate data between different registry systems, who are then paying brokers down to execute onto the exchange. And, and really what we're looking at is that a lot of those complex webs that have been put on top of one another was because consumers started to demand more. So we started to bolt them on top of existing infrastructure, whereas we see the opportunity to remove uh, the added waste and cost that's been put on top. Uh, and if you could do that in a really transparent way, you could actually enable value propositions that today we just actually don't even think are possible. Well, Matt Keeley, that's been a fantastic conversation. Thank you very much for your time today. Thanks, Alex. Cheers. Thank you for joining us. All views expressed on this podcast are subject to change and do not necessarily reflect the views of Connexus Financial. This podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice.